Hi, and welcome to Thriving with Sarah and Jenny. Please join us as we explore how you can enjoy a happier life and a fulfilling career, things that aren't always that easy in our modern world. We'll be taking a look to how you can explore well-being both inside and outside the workplace, how to prevent burnout, how to achieve true happiness in work and life, and so much more. So stick around. and welcome back to Thriving with Sarah and Jenny. Today we are going to tackle or maybe just dip our toe into uh, the great conversation around burnout. And when we're talking about burnout, I found this, uh, the the World Health Organization um, has actually got a definition of burnout, which is a syndrome conceptualized as resulting from chronic workplace stress that has not been successfully managed. And I found that really interesting because I think you can burn out in other spaces, but actually who says it's about work? And and I know, Jenny, that you're very kindly going to share with us your story. I am touch wood so far quite lucky. I have not experienced burnout, but I have definitely walked the line, but I know that you have. Mm. So maybe mm. would you mind starting by sharing a little bit about your story of and your experience sure. with burnout. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm happy to share. And I think it's just before I do share the sort of details, when, when the definition from the World Health Organization, they talk about occupational syndrome. Now, my daughter is an occupational therapist. So the word occupation doesn't have to mean just work. Ah, good distinction. And And when I realized that, it made me understand because I always thought, well, surely if it's sort of chronic unmanaged stress, it's not just the workplace where people can experience this. So if your Mm -hmm. occupation is you work in a caring capacity looking after a person with disability or aged parents or something like that, then Mm -hmm. you are in that situation of occupation where you could be at risk. And I think the other thing to remember is that you're not allowed to call it a medical condition. That's why they call it, a, you know, occupational syndrome. But it's always a doctor or mostly a doctor that you go to see if you have issues that are relating to burnout that you need assistance with. So I, I, that's that's a bit of a sort of funny gray area. And it's not stress itself, which is the main issue. It's our response. Oh. Well, it's our response to the stress because okay. it's an individual experience. And it depends partly on our personality. It depends depends partly on our environment and everything else that's going on. But I'm sure you've had the experience yourself where you might be going through a really demanding time where everything is loading up and you're just thinking, oh, crikey, how much longer can I keep this up for? Um, But you're managing it okay. You don't burn out. Somebody else going through exactly the same scenario might burn out and it's it's the big difference being is is the individual response to that ongoing chronic stress so it's not the stress itself it's always our response so the other thing I don't like about the definition is that you know it's the result of chronic stress which has not been successfully managed which makes it seem like it's our fault (laughs) Uh, you know, as I was reading that out loud, I was thinking exactly that same thing. Yeah. That 
I'm not. That, that, that you, it's your fault. You've not managed it appropriately. Which yes, exactly. Yeah. And while and while our our personality can certainly play a role in particular situations, that's not always the case. So I think it's very unfair to say it's because you haven't successfully managed. Sometimes <laughs> it's the environment which hasn't been successfully managed. So ah, oh, I think I like that. I think that's ah, really ah. important to think about. That yes, yeah, <laughs> it is not one's fault. No, um, that we are no. that we get to that point. Yeah, no. I like that. So, so in terms of my personal experience, yes, I did have burnout and um, I wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy. It took me 12 months to recover from and I lost a business as a result. So it's not something that you, you know, it's, it's not very good for us, basically. Um, it's not always as severe as that. Um, some people can go along that path towards burnout and then realize something happening and then pull back. In my case, my person personality played a large part. And I'm a, I'm okay to admit it, I'm a workaholic, I'm a perfectionist. Uh, I suffer from a smattering of imposter syndrome, you know, never good enough. So I've got to work harder to make sure it's, it's okay. Um, and I just don't know when to stop or pull back. So even though I was beyond exhausted and really struggling on a day-to-day basis to get through what I needed to do in my role as a doctor, I was blinkered to what was going on in my body. I just didn't, I just completely ignored it and I was in total denial until I collapsed. And um, by that time, I had lost nearly 10 kilos in weight. Wow. My my patients were asking my receptionist very quietly, is Jenny all right? Does she have cancer? So obviously, I didn't look quite right. (laughs) But well, for anyone who doesn't know Jenny, she's she's quite a lovely lean frame to begin with. So I don't know how you managed to lose 10 kilos. Jenny. Well, yes, well, you, you basically stop eating. So, yes, so I wasn't eating. I wasn't sleeping. I really had lost interest in my work. I, you know, every time I had to get up out of bed, I was already exhausted. And the thought of having to do that drive one more time to a place where I didn't want to be anymore. And I thought the worst thing was, you know, this was a uh, my own creation. It was my own business that I had built from from zero, and yet now it was something that I just wanted to get rid of. I wanted to be anywhere else except at that place. Um, but I couldn't see any way out. I couldn't see any way um, to to make things better for myself because it was like, well, you know, you knew it was going to be t- tough. You knew you were going to be busy. Um, you knew you would have to pick up the slack when other people took time off and were sick or whatever. So it's like, suck it up, princess, and just carry on, which I did, uh, and and fell off the cliff edge. So mm, not clever. However, the thing about burnout is it doesn't happen overnight. It's, it's an accumulation over a period of time. Mm. Um, it's entirely preventable if you recognize the signs or understand there's something not quite right and you start to develop the self-awareness of what could be contributing to you not feeling quite right and then taking the steps to mitigate it. And the other thing is that you do get better. But unless you address those things that put you at risk at the first place, 
you are at risk of having a recurrence. So I've met a number of people who have had serial burnouts because as soon as they get into that place again where they're under undue pressure, you know, ridiculous deadlines, et cetera, et cetera, or the cultural expectation that thou shalt always turn up super early, always say super late and never say anything about it, um, then then it's a it's a self-perpetuating pattern. So I think we just need to be mindful of that. Um, so it can be very much a result of self, mm-hmm. um, but I've seen it in countless different workplaces where it is the result of the workplace environment where the amount of pressure that's being put on the individual is just ridiculous. And yet people are afraid to speak up um, or they're told, well, it's not burnout, you're just a bit depressed. Take a weekend off, have a pamper hamper, uh, you know, and, and <laughs> it's so wrong. Because burnout is not the same as depression. You can have both together, um, but they need to be managed differently. They're quite different, aren't they? They're quite different. If you are suffering from burnout, if you are able to take time away from that place, which is causing you to feel Mm. so stressed and not feeling great, you will actually start to feel a bit better. Um, But it's going to be much more than just a long weekend. Whereas with somebody who's depressed... Giving them time off sometimes can be the worst thing because then they're left with all their rumination and negative self-talk and they can actually feel worse by being removed from the workplace environment. So I think we have to be very careful about what we tell each other, Um, especially if you're in a position of leadership or a manager or somebody like that. It's really important that everybody has a good understanding of the difference between the two and recognises that it's about providing the support to ensure that people can access the care they need to be restored to full health and well-being. Because nobody wants to burn out, and often it's people who are really committed, really dedicated, really love their work, who are at particular risk. Professor Joachim Menges has a whole talk about that and, a, and an article um, the studies that they did were that your most engaged employees are at your highest risk of burnout. That's so true. And I don't know if this is what happened to you, Jenny, but you've got a highly engaged, motivated employee. What do they do? They give a lot more discretionary effort for one. They, you know, they work harder, they deliver more. So what do you do? You give them more. Yes. And then they do that. And then what do you do? You give them more. And then what do (laughs) Then they do that. (laughs) One of the worst sayings that is still banded around is, you know, if you've got something that needs doing, give it to the busy person. And I think we've got to stop doing that because the busy person doesn't know how to say no. And so that's why they're so busy, partly. Um, So I think we need to be kinder to ourselves. Definitely. And it's interesting, isn't it? Because it's it's really come to the forefront, I think, very much over the pandemic. Oh. Um, but it was, I mean, this is my my experience. It was happening before the pandemic. Oh, so yeah, people were always on being more productive, do more with less. You know, there was, we've had in the UK, we've had kind of 10 years of austerity governments and companies cutting budgets and, wow. you know, doing more with less. 
Now, there's a whole conversation about kind of consumption and why do we always need to have more and all the rest of it. But actually, if we have technology, we have all these uses and, and we free up, say, an extra day of time by doing something more efficiently. Do we have to fill that? Because from yeah. my perspective is that that is that is a leading cause of burnout right there is. Totally. totally. Let's cram more into, into less, less space. <laughs> I don't know what the um, burnout statistics are for the UK, but I know here in the Asia Pacific region, we have seen an increase in the prevalence of burnout by 30%. Whoa. Because of what you've just described. And when working from home, you've got all these extra demands. And mm -hmm. sometimes the manager or the team leader or whoever in charge is wanting to see the person at work, which means that they have to be seen on their computer. So, you know, they're, they're tapping in and sort of monitoring how much time you spend online and blah, 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 blah. And people are, on average are working an additional two hours every Two hours, day. right? Yeah. Two which hours is, is the same here. It's completely mad. And it's it's 24%. In 2020, it increased to, by right. 24%. Right. Um, there is an ex expected spike. We I don't think we've seen the figures yet for this year yeah. coming out of January 2021 um, mm. as a as a as an even higher spike, yeah. um, which is just I just think it's it's terrible. You know, mm. we're breaking people. We're breaking. You know? people. Yeah. And, and sometimes we can break ourselves. But but <laughs> as a whole organizations are breaking people. Yes. And I think we also need to remember that the leaders themselves are also breaking. Oh, um, definitely. Because I'm sure you've seen this as well, Sarah, in your conversations with, with CEOs. Um, so many of them have been also working extraordinarily hard, keeping yeah. the business afloat, trying to ensure that all their employees are okay, you know, doing the extra check-ins and all this sort of stuff. But who cares for the carer? <laughs> there isn't always somebody there. And um, there's a Sydney-based company which always runs uh, a wellness survey of CEOs each year. And really? last year... They haven't done the 2021 yet. 84% um, of the 1,000 CEOs surveyed had elements contributing towards burning out. 84%. I mean, that is crazy, right? Um, just, so, you know, when you sit there and you just think, how have we got to this space? How have yeah. we got to this point? And, and I'm sure we will do a talk on flexible. We'll have a chat on flexible working and flexibility soon. But um, yes. <laughs> so, so when we think about burnout, then, mm. I mean, it's it's so such a huge global problem. Um, Gallup said the top five causes were unfair treatment at work, unmanageable workload lack of clarity, lack of communication and support for managers, unreasonable time pressure. Is that, do you feel, is that adequate? Have you got something else to add to that? Do you think? I think, I think that actually says it all pretty much. Mm -hmm. um, and I think when, how to address this, I think every workplace really needs 
what I call a workplace burnout prevention strategy. Yeah. So that you look at what are the workloads like for individual people? Um, yeah. Is there room for greater flexibility? Can we revise some of the processes and practices that are yeah. in place yeah. because they might be outmoded and just adding to the cognitive load um, and are completely yeah. unnecessary, like so many meetings. Uh, but that's also a topic for another time. <laughs> yeah, that's another topic. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Mm. yeah. And I, I think, well, we'll talk about what to do about it, but you've got kind of three main, main points around burnout, haven't you? Yeah. The first is that um, we just need to build greater self-awareness. Mm. When we can only do that when we can talk about burnout more freely, yeah. when we have that psychological safety in place where yeah. it's all right to share your how you're feeling and it's all right to share that the fact you're feeling completely overwhelmed and not in a good space and that doesn't necessarily mean you've got broken yet but you're you're just seeking acknowledgement that you're struggling yeah and when we make it okay to to tell people that we are struggling at this moment in time it's not going to be forever then if we've got managers who have been trained to develop their burnout competencies, mm-hmm. and they've got the resources to know what is going to be of most assistance here. Yeah. And to listen yeah. and to listen to what the person is sharing with them. Because so often um, I hear stories where people have tried to tell their boss or their manager what's going on and it's just brushed over it's just like well we're all busy if if everybody else can manage why can't you um which isn't helpful so yeah. i think those you know the self awareness um self care is important but it's not going to fix it you can <laughs> thank you for saying that <laughs> ladies and gentlemen that is a gp it's a it's a i'm taking that as road <laughs> Self-care is not the answer to burnout. <laughs> Please don't give them a massage. Please don't give your team, what did you call a wellness basket? <laughs> yes. I mean, it's going to be appreciated, it's but it's a nice not, thing to do. It's, it's a great thing. <laughs> it's, it's not addressing the problem at all. Recognizing that, you know, there's something that's contributing to somebody experiencing very high levels of stress and when when anybody feels really really stressed over a period of time we don't think as well we we it changes how we think and that means it also changes our behaviors and they're not always the behaviors that you want to see (laughs) and funny story that right yeah yeah. (laughs) so yeah, it's being mindful about each other and um, really getting good about the need for boundaries and and oh, looking at the, that barrier of expectation. You know, when the when the barrier of expectation is being lifted higher and higher and higher, you're setting people up to fail, and that's just not fair. Yeah. It's not fair. You you know, we take people on because they've got a certain skill set. They've, they know their strengths, they know their values, and they know what they're capable of. But if you keep shifting that 
that barrier up and up and up, eventually something will give. And that means you you potentially lose that person, which is such a waste. Such a waste. And it's, it's so often the straw that breaks the camel's back, isn't it? Yes. Yes. Because it's it's incremental. And yeah. and you know, and if you're someone like, you know, you and I have talked about our, our personalities and our imposter syndrome and stuff. And if you're someone who genuinely loves your job and is efficient and good at it and you're in your zone of genius. And you see someone struggling, you quite often will take more on, Yes, you know, um, and like you said, those boundaries and protection. And and from my perspective, I think that's the where leaders can do this. And and probably this is the training they need. You know, how can they tell their team what to stop doing? Yes. Yeah. Right. Who is who is looking at all of the projects on that person or all of the workload on that person Mm. and saying, prioritization 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 and actually whoosh, you're stopping doing this you this does not have to happen yes. anymore yeah that's right it's sort of like going through the diary and just crossing out all the unnecessary yes. things yes. which really yes. don't need to be done or can, yes. can be either sort of dispatched altogether or just parked and i think the other thing we have to remember and be mindful of is that if somebody has been recognized as having burnout and they are going to need some psychological intervention uh, and they might need some time off to fully recover, then don't leave everybody else floundering, having to take on all their work as well. Because guess what? You compound the problem. Uh, So I think that's part of the management strategy, what to do when one, one person isn't there. Don't just dish it all out to everybody. Everyone else has to do more work. You can just take it on and then thank you very much. (laughs) And and again, so much of this is down to resource management. And again, that kind of lean, and I like lean startup. Like I'm not a big fan of wastage, but there's a, something happened where we went on this lean journey to the point where people are so scraped so thin, you know, like in, um, is it in the the Lord of the Rings where Bilbo says, like butter scraped over too much toast, you know? <laughs> but we've gone so far down that space that there there's a, a deficit yes. of resource. And so then any wiggle, anyone ill, anyone sick, anyone having a baby or anything like that, but especially here in this burnout, mm. it's just a knock-on effect. And, mm. and I know there was a study that came out that said if one person in a team suffers from burnout it raises the likelihood and I don't remember what the percentage is but quite a lot that other people in the team yes will go have it Um, and whether that's from the managed environment causing that or just the knock-on effect of one less person when you have no wiggle room right when you don't have that 20 percent yeah it's yeah yeah it's when you've got that row of dominoes and they're already wobbling a bit one wobbles a bit too much and falls over and the whole lot go yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So you had three important points there, Jenny, just to recap. So self-awareness. Yes. Greater, greater self-care, but yep. don't don't assume that's going to fix it. But it is important yep. to address yep. the need for boundaries, the need for time yep. out, the need for time away from work to do something completely unrelated that's fun and interesting, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And of course, yep. the um support of your workplace to um, enable you to come back when you're better um, yeah. but 
to a place which isn't going to cause you to burn out again because you've addressed the the workload, you've addressed the the timelines, the deadlines and all that other stuff, um, which would have contributed to the burnout happening in the first place. Yeah, that's that's great. And it's there's there's probably a um, I remember early in my customer service career, um, one of my managers said, you can have anything good, fast or cheap. You can have any of those two, any of those two combined, but you can never have all three. And mm-hmm. there's probably a similar resource in in what we're talking about now. You know, you know, are you doing a good job? Do people want it to be done fast uh, or do they want it to be done cheaply? And when I talk about cheaply, what I'm talking about is time and 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 resource of people, essentially. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, and so you have to right? You have to choose two of those three things. Um, that would be my tip. Yeah. Two, two of three and a, and a great call out to my old manager, Bill, who used to say that. <laughs> Good on Bill. So, so Jenny, who is at, who's at risk? I mean, we're all at risk of burnout, I'm sure in some way, but who, who do you think is at risk? Um, and how do you spot it before you fall off that cliff edge? <laughs> well, <laughs> primarily those in, on the front line, those yeah. in the caring professions, uh, whether yeah. it's a doctor, a nurse, a teacher, a carer, yeah. um, everybody like that is potentially at higher risk, often because you're called to do that work and you're of service and you're always trying to do the right thing for everybody else and you put yourself last. So I think that particular type of person is at risk. The perfectionist, yeah. the yeah. the highly driven, motivated, I'm going to climb the career ladder because I want to get to the very top um, is also at significant risk. Um, And I think the third group are those who are in the, I'm trying to think of the right word to describe the type of environment you would call it, unsupportive, um, toxic, Toxic. uh, (laughs) environment, yes, where, where, it's this terrible term you employ people because you don't expect them to stay very long you've got this churn and burn policy which is dreadful oh my gosh and and it still happens even today Uh, whereas basically you're just fodder they just want to drain you and they don't care if you only last six months because they know there's other people coming up behind who will take your place so those people are particularly at risk as well Mm. yeah Fantastic. Those are, that's it. Yeah. And then, and if you're in one of those environments, it's probably time for a little check, right? (laughs) (laughs) I think just to finish off with, I think the interesting thing is um, so many people who have been working from home and I don't know if it's true in the UK as well. um, There's been a lot of debate around whether people should go back to the office or Mm -hmm. stay working remotely. And they're talking about the great resignation debate where for some people they've discovered that they work so much better more effectively and they feel so much better when they work from home but they're now being told they don't have the option they are expected to return to the office and uh, I was reading the story of somebody who went through this process just the other day where they thought well you know what I don't want to give up what I've discovered is the optimum way for me to function why would you so they've they've handed in their notice and they've gone elsewhere so I think we need to be uh we need to appreciate that 
individuals' perception of how we do our work has probably changed enormously over the last 18 months because, I mean, we never had this experiment done before where we all sort of had to work from home for a while. Um, So it's going to be very interesting to see what happens next. And I think where people are feeling forced to go back and do something, particularly if the environment wasn't supportive or it was very you know, fast-paced, demanding, challenging, blah, 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 you know, cracking the whip all the time. I think, yeah, people will be voting with their feet. Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, we see it happening now. It's going, it's 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 going to turn in the favour of the individual rather than the organisation. I hope so. I hope, yeah. so. I hope so, too. Yeah. I hope yeah. so, too. Yeah. Yeah. So I think, shall we leave people with some tips? I think, um, you know, for me, it's all about those kind of top five causes of burnout and addressing them, you know, especially as a manager. One, can you see that your team are doing that? Two, can you need to tell them what they can stop doing? And this needs to come right from the top. Absolutely. Um, and I've worked, yeah. I have worked in places where where it was done very poorly and I have worked in places where it was done really excellently. And, and when, you, when you have it done excellently, it comes straight from the CEO. Absolutely critical clarity about what is important and what is not, as well as, and this is so key, as well as the resources to adequately achieve those priorities. If you yeah. don't have one or the other, I think you still end up in the, in the burnout bucket at the bottom. Yeah. Um, and uh, so that would be for me, you know, how, how are you being clear? Are you chasing growth for growth's sake? Is that the right thing to do, especially now? Um, how have you told people what they can stop doing? Everything can't be an A priority. Have you done A, B, C, D prioritization or one, two, three, four, and then stop doing two, three, and four? <laughs> yes. and, and, and do that often, you know, revisit yes. that and actually stop doing what you shouldn't be doing and get people to stop doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you're going to do one, two, three, four, then adequately resource two, three, and four in the same way you resource one. That's, you know, for me, that is, that's the easiest way. And, and I think, yeah, baskets and even the weeks off I've been seeing from some companies, it's a lovely thing to do. I think an extra week off, especially in places like North America, where you have less holiday than say over here in Europe. Yeah. Yeah. However. All of the companies and people I've spoken to have just used that week off to do work they were behind on. Ah, yeah. Because because if you're overworked, a week off is not the answer. <laughs> yes. You How about you, Jack? Then have yes. a real week off. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Or to feel like you're caught up for the next week. And that is just a self-perpetuating disaster waiting to happen. So how about for you? What's your, what's your, what's your best? The magic thing is that we've just got to be more humane and remember Mm -hmm. we are human. We're not a machine and uh, we need to move away from this culture that has grown by stealth where it's always about doing more, doing more, doing more with less. It doesn't work. Um, burnout is entirely preventable and, mm-hmm. and it's entirely treatable. So we shouldn't be ashamed if we do suffer from burnout. It's just one of those things because, unfortunately, it is very common at the moment. And it's yeah. really a signal 
to say that we are abusing our bodies <laughs> because burnout, when they talk about the extreme exhaustion that people feel, it's it's physical exhaustion, mental exhaustion, and cognitive exhaustion. You haven't got the physical energy to get out of bed. You haven't got the mental energy to, to deal with people, and you haven't got the cognitive capacity to think things through, let alone make a sensible decision. So it's not a good place to be. And really, because all this is manifesting in our bodies, it's about recognizing that fundamentally we're human, let's treat ourselves as such, yeah. and look for ways to operate in the healthy stress zone, which is going to be different for all of us. But it's about recognizing a little bit of stress is great because that makes you excited and revved up and oh yeah, bring it on! Can't wait. Yeah, we've got got all those things firing. Yeah, I love that zone. Yeah, yeah. Knowing what is your limit, and when we can get better at recognizing where our particular limit sits, it's just a question of trying to work out how to stay below that. So you've got the benefit of good stress, but not the overstress burnout scenario likely to happen that's wonderful Mm. well thank you so much for joining us today everybody we would love to hear what do you do to de-stress what are your best tips in your workplace for preventing burnout and we hope that you're all taking care of yourselves thanks so much everybody and we'll see you again next time Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of Thriving with Sarah and Jenny. We hope you've enjoyed listening to it as much as we did recording it. And you can always get involved in the well-being conversation at all of our social links in the show notes. Until next time, stay safe, stay happy, and thrive in whatever you do.